0: They say if you really want to know what a a politician or a candidate thinks, that you have to get them in the aftermath of the election. And we're in March of 2019, and I am sitting in uh, Ami Hober's basement. Ami was a candidate, a a two-time candidate for Maryland's 6th Congressional District. And uh, today is March 15th, the Ides of March. What an appropriate day. I know on my Facebook page, I posted a knife going into a bottle of Caesar dressing <laughs> so and and then today somebody asked me to explain the ides of march but and it's all it's interesting on me the ides the ides of March and the the whole politique around <laughs> Caesar. That could certainly be applied to today's modern-day politics. So, Ami, thanks for coming and talking to me today. Um, I I wanted to have the opportunity to sit down and give you some breathing room since the campaign was over to to get a feeling of what it was like to run twice, and especially in this past cycle, and to have a conversation about what you learned, what you liked about the process, what you didn't like, and uh, maybe we can get into... uh, kind of comment on some of these national issues since and you you've been busy you just got back from a trip to australia right
1: right um i'm back to work i'm back to travel i'm back to doing my glass blowing. but you know the four years of campaigning in the two cycles were an experience of a lifetime i wouldn't have traded it for anything in the world now i would much rather have won in reality, because I think I would have been the right person for the district, but the experience itself was fabulous. I loved getting out there and talking to the people. I loved learning about the district in the sort of depth that I learned about it. I can tell you where the potholes are and which road in Garrett County these days. Um, And I think I think I learned the district and showed my commitment to
0: the district and I'm still trying to help where I can. Do you after after the race was over on November the 8th what was the final margin between you and your former Democratic opponent David Trone was it was it 20 points was it less? Something like 20 points. Did you expect that when you were when you were running and now that – since it was an open seat, since Congressman Delaney is running for president and he had he has foregone running again um, – and, you know, I wanted to mention that with Congressman Delaney, who was just on CNN – he did a town hall this past Sunday night. Uh, many people suggested that he should have run for governor instead of the the, the president, but he's doing his thing, and I don't you – yeah. Know, it's a free country. Everyone gets to choose. That's right. But having that you ran now on an open seat, you also ran against someone who had access to extraordinary wealth, right. his and, personal wealth.
1: Right, and he spent more money than has ever been spent before to buy
0: a congressional seat. You think it was bought? Absolutely. And you think that he, he spent upwards of, between two races, nearly $30 million. Over $30 million. Was it over $30 million? Even though your former opponent, David Trone, is, used his own money to fund his campaign, people also criticized you. They said, well, Ami Hober and her husband, they, they have made a lot of money too, but their funding, they're funding – their is it reasonable to compare the two between what you and your husband put into your race and what you personally put in your race versus that of, say, John Delaney or David Trone? I think it was significantly less. Okay, I don't, I simply don't recall that. I spent,
1: my husband and I together spent probably 10% of what um, Trump
0: did. Do you see having to spend that much money in a congressional race? Do you think that's problematic?
1: fundraising you can't raise that sort of money in a local race, and the congressional race really in many ways is a local race um, and unless you have
0: your own personal wealth um, it's it's hard to run it's hard, plus you and the congressman, the former congressman, and the current congressman mr. Trone uh were all somewhat at times criticized for living outside the the boundaries of the 6th District. But there's no perimeters in the Constitution that require you to live in, in the district that you run in. Right. But you also, preceding your, your second run, you had an opportunity during the 2015-16 cycle. You spent a significant portion of your time visiting Garrett, Allegheny, Frederick, and then, of course, you live here in Montgomery County. You... You made a point to go out and get to know these people. That's right. And I'm, I still remain committed to help the district. I'm working with a group in Frederick at the moment to open a new rehab center for women who are addicted. Addicted to to, to, to heroin? Um, it's addicted to both drugs and alcohol.
1: But it, it is a recovery center strictly for women that, in some ways, parallels the ranch, which is a recovery center for men. Also
0: that, in it, that issue, even though I think it got less play than it should have in the campaign, and I tried to highlight the opioid addiction, the health crisis that the district is facing. I think that, from my perspective as a journalist covering the the race. It, I think that you were shortsighted in your personal approach to that because it seems like Mr. Trone attempted to dominate that issue, but you had very significant uh, policy contributions to that as well I, I i don't think that I think that he tried to dominate the issue it's a very important one don't get me wrong, but you had a very similar personal tragedy that you um, you talked about in the open, which was really hard for you to do. I don't know. I do. That's what I'm referring to. What, uh, what the
1: difference is that I still find it very difficult to talk about those losses and apparently Mr. Trump does not find it difficult to talk about his own personal losses here and you know, therefore he was able to dominate in the conversations
0: about By But I know it's not a competition, that issue. It's so vitally important, but I, I felt like both candidates. That's a issue that transcends politics. It, it, should. And
1: it should, and I conti- like I said, I continue to be working on that issue today in the sixth district because I care
0: about it. And you also, and you mentioned the the, the Frederick um, the the facility that's going right. to open. Up. You, I should mention that as a board member of the House of Ruth in Maryland, right. that's a, that's an important issue. Is helping women who are abused to escape these situations, unconscionable situations. I also think that that didn't get enough play just from my perspective. As someone who is supportive of the House of Ruth's mission, they do critical work in helping abused women and finding homes and finding shelters, a safe spot for women who are in marriages or in relationships that can quickly escape a situation. That that to me went overlooked, I I think, as well.
1: I ran the best campaign I could, and I was comfortable with what I did. Uh, I certainly had much more trouble getting press coverage than did Mr. Trone. Um,
0: Do you think that it was difficult for you to get press coverage because the narrative was, wasn't was Ami Hober, a former executive who's going to put $15 million in it, or is it because that? I, I mean, I know that what I did, I tried to cover you, the race, as much as possible. I well, thank you. And I, I'm looking back at the race, but it, it just seems, you're, to your point, that there was post after post or article after article in some of the, the bigger outlets, and they were more so focused on his personal wealth rather than the policy issues. I didn't see the post really cover in-depth issues that were germane to Garrett County. Yeah, well, let me, let me make two points.
1: I'm not taking that personally. I think there is a bias in the media against the Republicans, a bias in the local media here in, certainly in Montgomery County, against Republicans. I don't believe that that was directed against me individually. Um, I also think it is certainly possible that the amount of advertising that uh, Mr. Trone does in the local media uh, has some influence on that, but i don 't even think it 's personal to him. I think it is a liberal bias in uh, certainly in the Washington Post
0: that damages all republican candidates well i I think that the media we in the media need to be acutely aware of the issues that are important to specific communities, get on the ground. And talk to residents out there, get the interviews that we need to, so we can understand what policies are making sense for the district, what aren't, what policies are not making sense. And even so, Ami, you ran in the 2018 cycle. It was a tough cycle for Republicans. Right. They They lost upwards of, what, 40 seats in the House of Representatives. Right. And when national pollsters gauged this race when they when they looked at polls or the, at least the polling that may have been available which wasn't much I didn't see they I remember reading Nate Silver's 538 blog and that said it's going to be a 100% win for David Trone that the Republican has no chance when you were running on the campaign trail and you heard people say Ami you have no chance to, to win this what what was your response well
1: I think I have- a chance, I wouldn't have gotten into it if I hadn't felt I had a chance, um, and I did the best I could. I ended up getting swamped, I think, by you know all the money differential. Um, but I cared
0: about the people. I had a loyalty to the people. You still do care about, and I still care about the people. And I have a loyalty
1: to this district that I think didn't get as much. Um, support as it should have. I think the sense of loyalty I have to the district, which remains, um, probably should have been played up more.
0: Well, I think that Garrett, Allegheny, and Washington County, as a, as a Western Marylander, a native Western Marylander, that's always going to be my home. And we as a native Western Maryland, we always struggled to get attention from the rest of the state, as I'm sure maybe the shore does from their congressional districts. And you you spent a significant portion getting to know the people on the ground, not just Republicans. It was Demo- everybody. everybody. And, of course, where you came up short was in Montgomery County and Frederick. Is that indicative of the congressional map as it stands
1: Particular Congressional map is up at the Supreme Court for
0: review. What's your take on that? How, do, how would you characterize the Supreme Court decision and the subsequent actions taken by the governor in forming the emergency 6th Congressional District Gerrymandering Commission? Well, I think we're, we're all sitting
1: around with bated breath wondering how the Supreme Court is going to act on this. Um, I look
0: forward to hearing the oral arguments next week. Um, I look You're going to try to, to go? You're going to stand in line. Um, 5 a.m. they're going to open up the lines. I believe that's the correct. Interesting. That's very interesting. I, I, I think it would be fascinating to try to attend. And when is that? When are the Orioles? twenty sixth? the 26th of this month. This is the 15th, so I guess it's not next week. It's the week after. 5 a.m. They open up the lines. <laughs> 5 a.m. Yeah, It'll be interesting to see the arguments. It'll be
1: Um, I am delighted at what the governor has done with his independent commission. Uh, I'm I'm not sure that the lines that the commission has drafted are going to hold. We have to wait and see what the Supreme Court does. We have to wait and see what the Maryland legislature does.
0: Um, I mean the governor himself might change it. Who knows? There's variables that are – currently outstanding one is what the supreme court will ultimately decide whether it and of course our attorney general Brian Frosch brought appealed the ruling by the federal three judge panel and it was do you think it was coincidental that it happened this decision came down the day after the election it, well i'm quite sure that they knew the decision but didn't want to issue it before the election was that because
1: of politics sure yeah. i mean that Disrupted the election in a strange way. If they had
0: issued their decision then, I, I think that the election was, of course, obviously one of the biggest issues of 2018. But here in Maryland, the day after that Wednesday, I remember when the decision broke. Yes. That was a huge moment for the district. After that happened, Ami, did when that decision came down, and I know you were probably tired. You're exhausted. You had to be on November the ninth. Mm-hmm. Were you thinking, my God, could this just just have come a year earlier? Well, if it had come a year earlier, it would have been very different, I believe. Different how?
1: Well, I believe that the cadre of people running for the slot would have been different, probably on both sides. Um, And, you know, the outcome might have been
0: different. Speaking of running, there's someone that's already jumped into this race. Delegate Neil Parrott from the second legislative district, uh, District Two A in Hagerstown. He covers Washington County, and I believe it was the Friday after the election, for two or three, three or four days after <laughs> the the election day. He stood at eleven o'clock at the city park uh, pavilion with his family standing beside him and announced that he was running for the congressional seat. Did he? reach out to you at all before he announced that to say, hey, this is what I'm going to do?
1: Yes, he did. As a matter of fact, he actually did call me and tell me what he was planning to do. And my reaction at that point was, you know, feel free. It is, it's it's, a free country. Anybody can attempt
0: to run, uh, and we'll see what happens. Did he now. seek your advice? No, he really didn't. It was an informational, informational call, and I appreciated you know, his doing that. Well, so far on the Republican side, Mr. Parrott is the only the only person I believe who has reg I haven't checked today, but he hasn't filed yet. Mr. Parrott, I should clarify that Mr. Parrott has formed an exploratory committee. That's correct. He's raising money, and I believe he's raised over $50,000, maybe over $60,000 the last time I looked. And you know that raising money for a campaign, any campaign, it's not easy. That's the toughest part. It has to be. From my perspective, I would not want to dial constantly for dollars and pick up the phone and ask strangers whom I don't even know for money. That's tough. That's tough. Been there, done that. Been there. You did it two cycles. Yes. Do you think that this cycle, Ami, this past cycle in 2018, Do you, looking back, did Trump hurt you at all? Of that. Because they said anybody that – who is a Republican will – they would assumingly support and vote for the president's policies. No, I'm not even sure it was that thoughtful. I think it simply brought out more
1: Democrats to vote, and it brought out more voters who voted straight ticket. I mean if you look at Montgomery County, um, Ben Jealous won Montgomery
0: County. Not by a lot. Not by a lot. Right. It?
1: that tends to be heavily Democrat. And if you get the Democratic Party turnout and you get them largely voting the straight ticket, that's the way it comes out.
0: They, even though you have publicly stated disagreements with the president, his style, you, you said that you find his approach to... Um, be very different than yours, that you are not com- comfortable with some of the things that he has said. No, I'm,
1: and I'm not. Uh, I believe that he's done the right things in a lot of policy areas, but I'm not comfortable with the way he's done all of them. Some
0: of the tweets. I wouldn't, I mean, first off, I don't tweet. <laughs> very
1: rarely. Um, it's not my style. And I tend to be gentler as
0: a human being. Mm-hmm. Well, that the, the Trump factor was, of course, a, I think, a, a played big into the outcome of this election and many elections. There was, there were Republicans and Democrats and, and and districts that won in 2016, but they, of course, switched over. And I think the president was a major factor in that. Uh, well, and I think there were lots of major factors involved. Um, yeah. But stick to if this I'm district.
1: Which is very
0: rare in a gubernatorial election, um, and I think that was a large part of it. Did did people that you talked to on the ground, constituents of the western counties, and even in Frederick and Montgomery, did they ever decry the amount of money that was being spent on this race? Did yes. was that an issue for some? I
1: appreciated, um, you know, how much was being spent
0: here. What kind of race would you characterize yours with Mr. Trone? Was it positive? Was it negative? Was it neutral? What? How do you? How did you feel about him as an opponent? Well,
1: I think the last negative ads that he put out the month before the election were
0: atrocious. Which ones were those? Uh, the ones that claimed I would go back into
1: chemical warfare. Um, the ones that used a photoshopped uh, picture of my face. Um, I mean, I know I don't look like that. Um, I mean, I, those were
0: deliberately nasty at a level that I think is unconscionable. Did they? When you saw those ads, how how did they? How did that make you feel when you saw them on television? Well, actually, I don't watch television, so I didn't see them. Except, you know, YouTube. Uh, I saw. I saw. One did it make you angry? It makes, no.
1: I mean, the answer is there are some people who run elections that way, and it's, it's not what I do. Um,
0: did you target Mr. Trone in ads? Uh, I did not. A couple of the um, packs that supported me did. In August of last year, I, I broke a story about mr trone's health issues and i debated with myself how to do this story and in a dignified way i asked his campaign if the congressman or if the congressman now the congressman but the candidate if he was experiencing any health issues based on his parents and i saw a, a photograph of him on from august the 17th where it looked like his skin was bright red his hair was obviously patchy and he did not look well. He was wearing a ball cap. And um, I asked them point blank, is, is he having any health problems? And they they brushed me off. And And I understand why they may have done that. But, Ami, do you think that as, as someone who is running for elected office, that they have a responsibility to be transparent about their health issues? I think so. And what do you make of that? What do you think? Do you think he handled it the right way or the, the – or could he, could he have done it in, in a better way? Well, I think it would have been better to have
1: been upfront about it from the beginning. I mean, I certainly would if it were my situation. Um, on the other hand, I, you know, if if I had been ill like that, I would have not wanted to take the time away from my family, and probably would have chosen not to run. Um, that's a, a, you know, a personal choice on what your
0: priorities are. Well, the I know that I got several reports from central committee members who were concerned that should should the his cancer get any worse or if there was other complicating factors that he they did not want him to run, but he he seems to be in remission now, which is good. That's great. And I'm I'm happy to hear that. I mean, I guess I I have no way of
1: knowing whether he is or not. He certainly continues to appear
0: I don't know anything. So, since he's become a congressman, have do you want to comment on his performance as a congressman for the district? What do you have you been following him or his? A um and at this point, I don't have enough data points to comment. Mm-hmm. He is working on. I, I think he's challenging the Constitution on one issue. Um, I'm sure you've heard about that. Another issue. I did a story on where he signed on to support the $15 federal minimum wage. I'll tell
1: you a story on that. I thought it was
0: very well done. Did you think that, do you think that there's any line of hypocrisy that his employees at Total Wine and More are paid less than minimum wage, or less than the proposed $15 and the medium average is about $12 or $13? Well,
1: This point,
0: I have no idea whether he 's actually still running total line or whether he 's turned that over to other people I believe in two thousand and sixteen at the end of two thousand and sixteen, he officially stepped down as president of the company okay. that 's according to his Wikipedia bio, okay. but I have no knowledge to to corroborate whether or not he 's still involved in the company or not i i don 't know yeah, i, I, I haven 't seen his financial disclosure forms for. That last year or this year, so I I I couldn't tell you, Um, but the outcome of the race it could markedly change next next election in twenty twenty. We could have a new congressman or woman. We will have a new district. We will have a new district, and the map as it stands, you saw the map that the commission. The map that the commission put together. Right, and I should mention that I interviewed Walter Olson on Tuesday night, who is one of the co chairs. Uh, very informative. Walter, okay. Walter okay. Um, certainly laid out all the prospects and talked about the new map, which includes all of Garrett, all of Allegheny County, all of Washington County, and all of Frederick County, yes. and a sliver <laughs> of Montgomery County. You said it includes Germantown? I think, um, I think it includes Damascus, Clarksville, um, Germantown, uh, Boyd's. Yeah, Poolsville. Poolsville. And then it goes, it swings up, it, it bypasses Howard County, and it, it touches on Westminster. Right. They, they cut out Tawny Town right. and I believe that's still in the, the first district. But when they carve out the 6th district, that ultimately affects other congressional districts. Yeah, now as I understand, the
1: commission is trying very hard to only affect
0: District 6 and... It's tough to do. But on that point, if you address the 6th, then you would th- logically need to address the 3rd Congressional District. Actually, all of Maryland's Congressional Districts. Well,
1: you should. Uh, that will certainly be done you know, after the next census Yeah. Uh, when it's time to do redistricting there. And I'm hoping that the Supreme Court comes out with some guidelines that make redistricting um, you know, much more rational.
0: When you learned that you had lost the race, what's that moment like? It's hard. It's hard. And when you
1: it's hard because I really believed I could do a better job representing the people of the whole district.
0: And that you had your pulse on the district. Right. And you spent like I said. And, I si- cared. and you spent significant time there. And um I always felt it was in my in covering the race that the Trump campaign was his uh, were not able to let me connect to his camp candidate and look I've covered a lot of stories about him but I I did it the best that I could to provide the best coverage that I could but when your candidate isn't accessible it's another factor I, I can't control that and I did my best with the information that I had and that just speaking from my side of the <laughs> the microphone, that that can be a challenge on me. And when the campaign doesn't respect the work that you're doing, that can also be a challenge. I we, we faced a similar moment at uh, one of the debates in Gaithersburg. I remember that clearly, and uh, it, it it felt like that the <laughs> the the campaign intentionally would would shield him from talking to people that was my perspective and do you remember that moment when you I remember the moment yeah, and I remember when his, his wife came up and, and spoke to you expressed extreme displeasure in something you said, what happened there?
1: well, uh, let's not go into that that's, that's too much history but uh, there was certainly a little bit of tension
0: there a little bit, of. T- I'm sure that subsided so looking at Congress now Um, You've been following Congress pretty closely, I'm sure. Um, This impeachment thing, I don't think – I think the Speaker has decided that she's going to take it off the table until – Well, I think that's
1: fine. I think it's time for Congress to get back to work on the things that matter to people's lives. Um, I think they need to get a budget passed. We don't need to go through another time of shutdown. I think that's Mm. very hard on everyone. Um, we need
0: to get all of the budgets passed so that the system can, t- can continue to work. There's plenty of federal employees in Maryland's 6th Congressional District Ami. The shutdown had a massive impact on the district. Do you think that was the right maneuver?
1: hard to find a compromise that brought people back within a day or two. I mean, we've had one-day shutdowns before, we've had, you know, even one-week shutdowns before, and those aren't quite as devastating, but to go on that length of time where people you know, people had to go to food banks to feed their
0: families, um, and that's, that's a terrible way for the government to. Yeah. In fact, I believe it was Senator Chris Van Hollen who brought a Hagerstown woman, an employee of the federal government. She um, was a custodian that she did not get back pay, and he brought her to the State of the Union address. It hurt a lot of people in the district.
1: It hurt a lot of people just the federal government employees it's also all of the contractors that support yeah. them it's all of the people who you know do things like the custodial work for the offices those are all contract employees not direct employees and the contractors do not get back
0: pay the model report has yet to be released and i i'm anxious to see what it says i'm anxious to see what has happened? I do, do. You trust Robert Mueller? Yes. Yes. Have you ever worked with him in any capacity? But he's had a long, distinguished career as a lawman, as the, the FBI director. Do you th- look at look at his some of his successors? Do you think Comey did the right thing in two thousand and sixteen? You had your own race. That was the man. We could go back a cycle and talk about the Clinton race. Yeah. Um, what else is going on in Congress? You've been following, of course, the national emergency that the president declared. Would you have voted for that?
1: Most of the illegal immigration is people who overstated visas, actually. But I have worked on border security around the world. Um, it turns out, and many people don't know this, that the U.S. government pays for border security in many countries in the world, and I've worked on those projects, particularly the ones in Eastern Europe, um, and I've done those. The last uh, border security project I worked on had to do with the border between Tunisia and Libya. Um, I've also worked on similar projects in Vietnam. Uh, the U.S. pays for that.
0: Why shouldn't we pay for our own border security systems? You followed the North Korean, yes. United States, the, the, the grand meeting that happened last month. What's your take on that summit?
1: with North Korea is necessary. Uh, whether we come up with an agreement that is satisfactory to both parties in the long run, maybe we will, maybe we won't. But opening the lines of communication is the only
0: thing that can help, and I certainly would not close those off. So do you think the president walked at the appropriate time? Uh,
1: depending on the details of what was happening, certainly that's, that's
0: a good possibility. You know John Bolton. Yes. You had him to your house. Yes. How's he doing as the national security advisor? Yeah, he's doing great. In what respects? Um, he is steady. He's a firm hand. He ma- understands all of the aspects of what he's talking about. Um, I'm very comfortable with him in that role. Do you think that. Well, Trump has a history of <laughs> people in these positions leaving. Do you do you think he's well, safe? Those are hard sure. I mean, and in the government,
1: those those sorts of positions are you know twenty three hours a day, seven days a week. You get you do get tired, and I'm not surprised that people depart after a while.
0: Yeah, it, I'm I can't imagine that job. But you said you're back to work. I'm back to work. You're a national security expert. Right. You you know your stuff. You've been doing this for years, and I, and I want to speak just parenthetically, very quickly. One issue that i didn't think that covering this race was always fair is people sometimes attack you for your age and they say well she's yeah, older. she's older right. right she's in her 70s yeah. okay did what was when you heard that attack what was it did you kind of handle it like you know the old ronald reagan i'm not gonna exploit my right. opponent's youth Right, uh, I, and I'm sure that being a woman in the race, and let's talk about that. Women running for public office. You, you, you took the leap and you decided to run. And uh, I always tell my wife Kim, you know her well. I said you should. You, you have a lot of opinions. You should run for something. And she's like, Oh, they would never. I have too many opinions. But uh, I, we've we've seen a lot of women enter public office in this past election. That's a good thing.
1: That's a good- Philosophically, of course, but or where they come from. But I think getting active is important here. Um, you will recall, I suspect, that I am a supporter of the ERA, and I was deeply dismayed by Virginia uh, turning it down again this year. Um, they could have made a difference, and you know, I am in favor of women being active in all aspects of their life. I have championed women in the military. I've championed women as business owners. Um, I've mentored a lot of young professional women and intend to keep doing that. So you know, I'm delighted that we have more women in
0: Congress. Well, I see more women getting into politics as a, a huge net positive for... Our country—it's great to see. It's a good inspiration for young women, uh, our daughters, and to watch them enter without that fear of sexism. You've probably faced sexism in your career. You look—you were one of the top civilians in the Department of Army um, a number of years ago, and I'm sure when working in that culture, that era, you probably faced some some interesting moments in your career. You think it's changed a lot? You think it, Are we on the right path to improve that workplace culture? I think so. I think being open about the problems that people have
1: faced is important. I was very impressed with um, the, the, the latest reports. You know, people who have admitted that they have had problems in the past that they have not been willing to talk about i think being open about those sorts of problems happening is important it's a step forward unless you recognize that a problem exists you can't very likely find a solution to it um, and i think we're changing the culture enough that it's it's a good
0: step we we need a change in that culture and i i want to mention briefly you've probably taken a, a close look at some state politics as well and It seems like this is creeping back constantly, or it has never gone away, but these issues arise. Have you followed the Marianne Lissante issue down in Annapolis? What's your take on that?
1: Well, I think obviously she misspoke um, and said things she shouldn't have. Uh, If I had been in that position, I would have probably offered my resignation.
0: And Uh, even what about the governor of Virginia with the blackface scandal? And do you... Do you think he should have stepped down? I,
1: I think it certainly should have been considered very seriously. Um,
0: of course, in Virginia, we've got more than that one scandal. There's so, Justin Fairfax. Yeah, you know, well, there are three of them. I think that it's a problem,
1: and you know, part of the problem is: do you want to decapitate the whole state government in Virginia if you get rid of all three of them? And it, that's an interesting question. How much trauma? But I think people should face up to the um, irresponsible behaviors that they have done, and if they have been a very long time ago and people have changed their attitudes and their behaviors, I have no problem with accepting their apology and moving on.
0: Thinking to state politics today in Maryland, Annapolis is in session until April 8th. That's signy die, the last day. Have you been following some state politics or legislation? Not a lot. Not a lot. I, I've certainly watched things that are important here in Montgomery County, um, things like the sanctuary bill, mm. um, things like
1: the ranked choice voting.
0: Ah, ranked choice voting. There's a whole podcast that could happen entirely <laughs> on ranked choice voting and— <laughs> everything that I've read on ranked choice voting, it looks like it could pass in Montgomery County. Well, I hope not. Why is that? Because I think it, it really makes the choices
1: not very clear. It makes you have to educate the voters to a level that we don't do today uh, on how it works and what, what they are voting for and in what order they vote for people or against people. Um, I think it's much more complex, and if, if you're going to move in that direction, it certainly needs to be done very slowly. Mm-hmm. And I, would, I would argue not, you know,
0: I don't want it at all. Let's skip to national politics just for a moment, Ami. Do you, are you following the candidates on the Democratic side who are jumping into the presidential contest? Well, it's hard to keep up. It is hard to keep up, and in fact, was it yesterday that um, former Congressman Beto O'Rourke has jumped in. Do you see the field shaping up that there are one or two or three front runners?
1: Well, the, the polls say that there are, but I don't yet feel it from where I sit, mm-hmm. and I certainly
0: don't hear that from the people that I talk to on the street. Not yet. Do you think that once Joe Biden? It seems like Joe Biden's going to jump into the presidential race. This would be his third presidential campaign and okay. the first two well he ran in 88 and i and if you re, I remember look I was I studied it. I don't remember it cuz I was only 3 years old that he he got saddled with the plagiarism scandal. And then 2008 when he ran, of course he came in 5th place and in an Iowa and the rest is history when yeah. the uh, Senator Obama at the time picked him up as vice president. So it seems like the vice president Biden has markedly improved his image as a vice president over the last eight years when he was with um, President Obama. Do, do you think that could propel him into the number one slot?
1: Hard to tell at this point. We've got so many people in the race that
0: I, you know, you could be number one slot with five percent. <laughs> That's Yeah, well, it, the latest poll, I believe, out from Iowa, it shows that uh, uh, Vice President Biden and Bernie Sanders are pretty much locked in a statistical tie. At Biden at 28, Sanders at 25, and you know, I try to read as much polling data as I can and at least understand the methodology about how they're polled. But it seems like that there's a battle in the Democratic Party from – the Bernie Sanders wing, the progressive left wing, versus the more moderate compromise wing of the Democratic parties. If those two intersect, what's going to happen? It's going to be interesting. Now, you know, we have some divergence within the Republican Party as well. Right. Um, there's, there's a more centrist uh, group and there's a more extreme group. The, the, that would be the, the Steve King and Louis Gomertz versus the... Uh, the Charlie dents of the Republican Party yeah. the joe scarborough well joe Scarborough's 't a Republican <laughs> any longer, but th- th- those diverging those diverging groups it but it still feels ami and you always i don 't want to i don 't want to use the label you took a center track, but you took a practicals track well, you okay. took a pragmatic. Either side. And was that something, was, it, was that battling extremes on both sides? It seems like it's always a challenge for candidates who are not necessarily center left or center right, but, as you said, practical. It, those voices on the extreme left or the extreme right often dominate the conversation. Well, and that's one reason why I support having open primaries. Oh. Um,
1: and because I believe having closed primaries Tends to drive both sides to the extreme. Mm -hmm. And if you have an open primary, um, it's
0: far less um, extremist generated. There's many in the Republican Party who would disagree with that. Okay. (laughs) Um, I, I have no objection to people disagreeing with me and having conversations about it. Where do you see us, where do you see Congress as far as policy moving in the next? Two years, or at least until the next election cycle. What do you think is going to be accomplished? What do you hope that's going to be accomplished, and what would your goals be? Well, my goal is basically to get the Congress
1: to do its main job, which is the power of the purse, which is what they've been arguing about on the um, executive order issue, the emergency executive order issue. I think that if they want to claim power of the purse, then I hope they will exercise that power appropriately and get the budgets passed. I think that's their single most important job. Second to that is, in the Senate at least, to get serious about the confirmation of appointees. Mm -hmm. Um, I am told that there is quite a long
0: list of people who have been nominated and not acted on. Well, you've been in that role. I've been in that role. And I really
1: think you need to have action on those nominations. You can either accept them or you can reject them. But to leave the government in limbo uh, by having people nominated and not acted on is a mistake.
0: And so I would hope the Senate could get more active in that role. So wrapping up. I would be remiss. Are you thinking? If I didn't ask this question, are you thinking about running again? Uh, running where? We have no district at this point. Well, we have a district that is in its current form, but that is going to change if the district lines are changed and if it comes out where it is a more favorable territory to where it. it I think it's going to shift. I do. I think it's going to shift to at least above 50 percent in favor of republicans in the sixth district in 2020 but if that were to happen if that shift were to happen would you consider running um i will keep an open mind at this point i'm watching to see what happens that's not a no that's not a no. That's like the governor hogan answer for when if he were to run for president because uh, yes. he's been asked and yes. he said i'm focused on maryland but never say never You seem relaxed. Yes, you seem happy, and I am. but no one likes to lose a campaign. No, and it's not fun. And, it's emotionally taxing. It's emotionally taxing, and
1: I certainly put all of my heart and soul into both campaigns. Um, but at this point, my view is still that I could do good for the district, and so I'm keeping an open mind.
0: That's that's impressive. I know some people when they lose a campaign, they go away or. I have tell you I'm not moving to Florida. Well, the the last person who lost moved to Florida, he 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 started a podcast and now he's being retweeted by the president of the United States. So, um but good good news is that you're not moving to Florida. You're sticking right here. You're sticking here. I do not intend to disappear. So you're going to stay around and, and stay involved in issues that you I care. Stay around, stay involved in the issues that I can contribute to and help on. Uh, and well, I know your husband is learning the violin. Yeah. So you can stay around and make sure that he's practicing. <laughs> so that's good. That's good. And do new things. And do new things. And I think that now that you're as as not a candidate, that I'm sure that opens up other interests that you can take advantage of and um pursue in this time. So no, I'm back in my national security work trying to help protect our country. Well I see that as your life's work. Yes. And Plus, you have a a seventeen year old grandson, which I know brings you a great joy, and that that sure is a blessing to to. And and when you look, when you lose an election, it it seems like your family and friends are the only thing that matters at that point, and and that's and as someone who I, I mean I I ran for a school board race in law, and it's not easy because you, you think about all the things coulda, shoulda, woulda, and then you go through your you know your head several times well i could have done this different i could have done that different but um I'm, i'm glad to see that uh you're in great spirits and uh i'm happy that we could do this to have this conversation in the aftermath i feel like having this conversation after the election your perspective is important that um and people spent a lot of time on your race you had a lot of volunteers and i'm sure that That's humbling, too, to have people that come out and really supported you and were with you through the long haul. Oh, I'm grateful for all the help I got, and I'm still friends
1: with a lot of the people on Facebook. Um, I still converse. Um, Today I had an announcement out on Facebook. I I was honored to be named one of the 100 um, women in Maryland.
0: With the Daily Record. The Daily Record came out this morning. Oh, did they, did they email you that, or did you know in advance? No, they emailed us last night, and I posted it on Facebook this morning, and I am delighted with the positive responses I'm getting. Well, congratulations. That is uh, quite an honor. Um, I'm sure there's several great women in there. but uh, uh, I'm that, pleased to be in that company. Th- absolutely. Well, Ami Hober, I really appreciate you having this important discussion with me thank you and uh i'm i'm sure this is not the last that we're going to hear from you i hope not <laughs> thank you so much for coming on ami